Proverbs chapter 14. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 14. Hear now the word of the living God. The backslider in heart will be filled with his own ways, but a good man will be satisfied from above. This is the word of the living God, and we say, thanks be to God. Amen. Please be seated. Let's pray. And now, O Lord, we pray that in this brief time of the preaching of your word, once more you would aid us, bless us, encourage us, and convict us. Help us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever started a journey and gotten horribly lost? Those of you that remember driving in the days before our phones told us every which turn might remember this. Or how about beginning a project and then halfway through or three-fourths of the way through gotten quite tangled up? We can all think of examples where we begin something And then experience difficulty, challenges, and trials, and perhaps think that we ought to throw in the towel. One other example, perhaps, might be that of climbing a hill, seeking to reach the top, only to find yourself sliding in the mud or the rocks and falling down backwards and having to go across the same ground that you've already covered before. Perhaps this example would be the best example of what it means to backslide, to go backwards. That word backslide is the theme of this particular proverb. The backslider in heart will be filled with his own ways, but a good man will be satisfied from above. I want us to look at this proverb this evening and use it as a springboard for the theme of backsliding that we see throughout the pages of Scripture and end our time together tonight considering the warning, the blessing, and how we are to watch. Let's walk through this text briefly and then consider the three lessons for the week ahead as God allows. The backslider in heart. What does that mean, backslider in heart? Well, the Hebrew word there for backslider points literally to turning back. But interestingly enough, the same exact Hebrew word is used in various other texts, which help us to understand more fully what that word may mean. Just for a moment, turn over to Psalm 44. Psalm 44 and verse 18 for a moment. There we read these words. Our heart has not turned back. Same Hebrew phrase for backsliding. Our heart has not turned back, nor have our steps departed from your way. Or perhaps turn over to Isaiah 59. Isaiah 59 and verse 13. There we read again of the same word. In transgressing and lying against the Lord and departing or backsliding from our God, Speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart words 
of falsehood. I read these two other passages just to give you an idea of what this Hebrew word really means. To turn back, to depart from, or to backslide. But notice that the writer of Hebrews, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and I should say the writer of Proverbs, not Hebrews, says of this phrase that this is a backslider in heart. So what is in view here is not a journey where one is starting a project or driving from one location to another or climbing up a hill, but where one has begun to journey in their hearts and for one reason or another has fallen back or turned back. In fact, this is really the common usage of the term backslider throughout the scripture. Listen to some commentators of old as they discuss this theme of backsliding. The Puritan Matthew Poole writes this, quote, He who departeth from God and from the way of his precepts with all his heart, which implies the doing it upon deliberation, with free choice and full purpose and customary practice, as ungodly men commonly do, and is opposed to the slips of human frailty, For otherwise, every sin is a revolt from God. Writing on this passage, what Matthew Poole argues here is that backsliding is not every single sin, but that there is a deliberate practice of moving in the heart away from God. Or how about the words of Andrew Fuller, the early Reformed Baptist, in his work, The Nature and Symptoms of Backsliding. He writes this, quote, All backsliding from God originates... In a departure of heart from him. Herein consists the essence and evil of it. But the degrees of this sin and the modes of it in which it operates are various. End quote. These two saints of old are making the argument that backsliding is always ultimately a heart issue. A heart issue. Another place where we see this idea of backsliding is when God chastises the people of Israel in Jeremiah chapter 2. This occurs some time before the exile into Babylon. And listen to what the living God says to his people, his covenant people of old in Jeremiah 2 and verse 19. Your own wickedness will correct you and your backslidings will rebuke you. Know, therefore, and see that it is an evil and bitter thing that you have forsaken the Lord your God. And the fear of me is not in you, says the Lord God of hosts. There again, what is the diagnosis? What is the cause of backsliding? But it is a turning away, a forsaking of, a departing from the Lord your God. And the fear of God no longer driving your heart and your actions. So backsliding in heart. Having a heart that is turning away from God. But notice that the proverb doesn't just say backslider in heart. Rather, it gives two other phrases. The backslider in heart will be filled with his own ways. In just a moment, we'll look at the second part of the couplet. But a good man will be satisfied from above. But notice, we've defined what a backslider in heart is. But then the proverb gives a warning. The backslider in heart will be filled with his own ways. 
the backslider will be ultimately given the fruit of his backsliding, of her backsliding. There will be fruit that comes from departing from the living God, from departing from God. And the promise here, if you will, the general statement of wisdom is that when we allow our hearts to depart slowly over time from the living God, there will be fruit that develops and we will eat of that fruit. We will be filled with our own ways. What are our own ways if we're backsliding? Well, it is the consequence of turning away from, of departing from the living God. So a definition and then a warning. But thirdly, look at the second part of this couplet of Proverbs 14, 14. But a good man will be satisfied from above. Now, I have to tell you, nearly every single English translation of this second part of Proverbs 14, 14 renders it differently. In fact, this is one of those examples where if you're just surveying English translations, you might not know what to make of the second part. For instance, the New King James Version says, but a good man will be satisfied from above. The English Standard Version says, and a good man will be filled with the fruit of his ways. The New American Standard says, but a good man will be satisfied with his The World English Bible reads, likewise, a good man will be rewarded for his ways. Every single rendering is slightly different. The New King James highlights, almost as it seems, where the fruit of not backsliding comes from. But a good man will be satisfied from above. Now, actually, all of these renderings are a good attempt seeking to move from Hebrew into English. But what are we to make of this? A good man will be satisfied by the fruit of his ways, satisfied with his ways, rewarded for his ways or satisfied from above. Well, the focus here is a warning against backsliding in the first part. And then in the second part, we're given a statement which shows the worth or the value of not backsliding. From above ultimately means that there is something greater in view than the person himself or his self. A good man will be satisfied with the fruit of his ways or, as our text says, from that which is above. Implying that a backslider leans not on his or her own understanding, but on the ways of of God. So we've seen a definition then of backsliding, departing, turning away from the living God. We've seen the warning that when we backslide, there will be consequences. And then we've been given a bold declaration that there is something good. There is something of worth and of value from not turning away from God. With these things in view, let us consider then three points of application this evening. Three points that we can walk away with in the days ahead, perhaps meditating upon as we pray and think about this theme. The first is this, beloved. Consider the warning against backsliding. Consider the warning against backsliding. Backsliding will ultimately cause negative consequences. 
The scripture says that God is our life. When we depart or turn from the living God, it is almost as if we are turning our backs on the source of life itself. But think of biblical examples, perhaps of those who we will likely consider unbelievers. Think of Saul in the Old Testament. There was pride and presumption, which led to a kind of backsliding of offering a sacrifice which God had not commanded. Or think of Judas, that disciple who followed Jesus for three years. You know, brothers and sisters, we ought to think of Judas occasionally and remind ourselves that he walked with Christ for three years. And what does the text describe him as in several instances? A lover of money. He used to, as the text says, help himself to the treasury of the disciples. This regular pattern of turning away from Christ as a non-believer led to forsaking Christ in the end. But how about believers? Because when we use the term backslidden or backsliders, we often think those who know God but turn away from God. Well, perhaps a key example here would be David David, he actually describes some of the negative consequences of backsliding. Turn over to Psalm 32. Psalm 32. Hear these words. Psalm 32, verse 3 and 4. When I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. This is David describing what it was like to hold on to his sin and not confess it. But he describes here, doesn't he, the consequence of holding on to sin. It is, of course, the first day of the year, but more importantly, it's the Lord's Day. Brothers and sisters, let me ask you, are there sins that you are holding on to that are causing you to depart or turn your back on the living God? Not all sins, of course, falling here, being tempted and engaging in a sin there are backslidings. But sometimes there are sins which we hold on to and they cause our hearts. They draw our hearts away from the living God to the point that we are in the position of being a backslider. We've turned our backs on the the living God. Our hearts have grown cold. We have done what the writer Jeremiah has said. The fear of God is less and less in view. In fact, what was it that Jeremiah said shortly before those verses describing the backsliding? That my people, God says, have done two things. They have forsaken me, the living God, the fountain of all. And they've hewn out, they've dug out for themselves cisterns that can give no water. The people of God turned away from God and followed after other things. Consider the warning of backsliding. But secondly, consider the worth of faithfulness. Consider the worth of faithfulness. Now, just for a moment, I need to describe this word faithful. There is often confusion in our day of what is meant by the word faithful. 
I'm speaking specifically to Christians who are in Christ, who have been justified by his righteous life and his shed blood for their sins. Their faithfulness has an absolute ground which is not in themselves. It is Christ. This needs to be said because if we were to look at this passage and say, hey, don't backslide, but be faithful. You might get the idea that the Christian life is don't do this, but do this. But that's not the Christian life. The Christian life is laying completely and wholly on Christ alone as the ground of all of your salvation. And then with Christ as the complete foundation, living on him, bearing fruit in keeping with repentance. So when we say consider the worth of faithfulness, we mean Christian people, Christ's people who are justified forever, who are not turning their backs here and there on the Christ who saves them. But we don't mean Faithfulness in the sense of keep yourself in the covenant. So with that in view, consider then, secondly, the worth of faithfulness. The writer of this proverb says, but a good man will be satisfied from above. Or perhaps one of the other translations is helpful as well. A good man will be filled with the fruit of his ways. There's something good and satisfying from not turning away or departing in heart from God. This is in comparison to the danger, the warning of turning away from God. A couple of passages here. What is the worth of faithfulness? Well, why even consider a theme? Proverbs 4 verse 23 says that from the heart flows the springs of life. Brothers and sisters, we do need to consider our hearts. Oftentimes we need help considering our hearts from the community of faith which Christ has given to us. But we need to consider our hearts. A wonderful question behind all of our actions and our thoughts is often, where is my heart in this? In the midst of my marital conflict, where is my heart? In the midst of my struggle with covetousness, where is my heart? In the midst of needing the approval of others, where is my heart? It is a good and biblical question. But if we're to consider our hearts and our call, according to Proverbs 14, 14, to not backslide, what is the worth of it? Well, a couple of things. First, Peter, chapter one, verses six through eight, says that when we are tested and tried And found faithful, we display the beautiful work of God. One of the worths of being faithful. Of laying your heart bare before the living God and not allowing yourself to walk the road of backsliding is that you will display the wonderful work of God in your life. A second worth, according to Matthew 5 verses 13 to 15. Turn there with me for just a moment. Our Savior there gives us another beautiful picture of the worth of faithfulness. Matthew 5, verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. 
nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. In addition to the worth of displaying the beautiful work of God as you are faithful to God, you are also useful to the work of Christ in the world when you guard yourself from backsliding. You're useful to the work of Christ in the world like salt. Another worth of faithfulness. This one comes through David's backsliding occurrence. Turn over to 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter 12 and verse 14. You remember Nathan comes to him. David has held on to sin. You could describe it as a period of backsliding for David. Nathan comes. David is ready to apply the law of God to others, but not to himself. Nathan says to David, David, you're the man. Second Samuel 13 to 12, verse 13. So David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to the Lord, the Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. However, because by this deed you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. The child also who is born to you shall surely die. Do you notice one of the consequences of David's backsliding? That the enemies of the Lord were given an occasion to blaspheme the Lord. Part of the worth of being faithful to the living God by his grace is that you don't cause dishonor to Christ. So in our proverb, we are given a warning against backsliding, but we're given a call to see the worth of being faithful to the Lord. Thirdly and finally, I think an application for us is to consider the ways of the heart. Again, Proverbs 4.23, the heart from it flows the springs of life. Now, brothers and sisters, you're welcome to number all these. But I'm just going to give you a quick list of ways to consider your heart, even in the week ahead. For instance, according to 1 Timothy 4.16, watch what you believe. Watch what you believe. You remember Paul tells Timothy there, keep an eye on doctrine and on your life, Timothy. Watch what it is that you believe. I don't know that we often think about backsliding being related to doctrine in any way. But in various places in the scriptures, the people of God are told to watch the teaching, to believe it, to receive it, to make sure that they are in it and that they are abiding in it. As you consider the ways of your heart, watch what you believe. Secondly, Watch what you think you need. Watch what you think you need. Again, Jeremiah 2, 13, the living God says, You have forsaken me, and you've attempted to dig out wells or cisterns of your own making. But those wells will not provide you with water. I am the living God of water. I am the one who will solve the quest for spiritual thirst. But you've abandoned me, and you have gone elsewhere. Watch, brothers and sisters, what you think 
that you need. And of course, I don't necessarily mean possessions here, although that applies. I mean, watch what you ultimately consider of greatest value. Here's a third way to watch your heart. Watch what you fear. Watch what you fear. Proverbs 1, 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. Here's what we mean when we say watch what you fear. Put yourself in a setting with other people. Our brother prayed uh, along this line this morning. But think about how you are at work, at school, in your class, boys and girls. When there are a group of people and you want to be accepted, you want people to like you. And so sometimes you are willing to do things in those settings that you wouldn't otherwise entertain. Sometimes that pattern dulls your conscience and you fall into greater things. You're continuing to want the approval of others. So you keep sinning and breaking God's law. Think about in that moment who you are fearing the most, who you are reverencing the most. Is it God or is it other people? Watch what or who you fear. Here's another way to watch your heart. Watch what you allow. Romans 13 verse 14 says, make no provision for the flesh. Make no provision for the flesh. I don't think we are to walk away from that passage in Romans 13 with the understanding that we constantly need to be afraid at every moment. And yet many of us need to consider a holy and right fear that we don't currently have. And that is the fear of falling into sin. To the point that Paul can say, make no provision for the flesh. Don't even provide food for the flesh to feed upon. Again, Andrew Fuller in that work on backsliding says this, quote, he that is not afraid of temptation is not afraid of sin. And he that is not afraid of sin must needs be in danger of being destroyed by it. Now, I'm aware in a room like this, there are some who need to hear the word of God cut through the current backsliding in their heart. I'm also aware in this room with no one in my mind by name, but I'm I'm aware in this room that there will likely be those who are under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. They don't need to hear the warning. Rather, they almost feel beat down from the conviction that they themselves have been backsliding. To you, I would say, if you hate the fact that you were living in a state of backsliding, that is good. If you hate it for the glory of Christ. You know, you could backslide and hate it because you got caught. You could backslide and hate it because as you look around, you think, well, this makes me look less moral than everyone else. But if you say this has caused dishonor to Christ, this is not who he's called me to be. I am not satisfied without his smiling face. Then that is a good, good sign. But if you're not afraid of temptation. You're not really on guard against sin. Then Andrew Fuller would say, 
that you're potentially in danger of being destroyed by it. So watch what you allow. You know, the conscience is a very interesting thing, boys and girls. The conscience is one of those things that God has given us. But our conscience, sometimes as sinners, is something that we allow to slowly slip away. And it's a little bit like the waves of the seashore. I don't know if you've ever been to the beach and you've you've built a castle there. And it's low tide and so your castle is standing tall on the beach. And then the waves begin to come in. And they don't wipe out your castle all at once, do they? No, no, no. The water comes in and perhaps it adds a little bit of water to the moat which you've dug. And you think, oh, this is good. This is a good thing. I dug that moat and now there's water in it. But then the next few waves come in and part of the wall of your building begins to disintegrate, to fall apart. Eventually the water comes and it overtakes your entire castle. This is a little bit like the way that sin works with our conscience. When we allow things over time, our consciences can be dulled. Watch what you allow as you consider your heart. Here's another one. Watch what you treasure. Watch what you treasure. For this, turn once more to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. There we read these words. For where your treasure is, many of you will remember, there your heart will be also. Watch what you allow your heart to treasure. Now, notice what we've said. Watch this, watch that. Watch this, watch that. The Puritans of old would call this watchfulness. Being on guard, not only aware of what is out there, but also knowing the motions of your heart. Think for just a moment of the areas of your life where you are the most temptable. Just ask yourself, where am I the most temptable? Or perhaps if you're here and you don't mind hearing the answer, ask your spouse, where am I the most susceptible, the most temptable to sin? Because I I don't want to backslide. Because backsliding will lead me to the point where I am filled with the ways and the consequences and the fruit of backsliding and the fruit of living with my back toward God is that I don't live according to his smile in Christ. Rather, I want to consider every single day the worth, the worth of being faithful. Now, the text says in the New King James of being a good man. Of course, we know that no one but Christ is good in and of himself. But being a righteous man, being one who is faithful, who hasn't turned his back on the living God. A good man will be satisfied from above or with the fruit of his ways. This wisdom verse would call us to consider the warning against backsliding. It would call us to consider the worth of faithfulness. And it would call us to consider the ways of our hearts. Now. Before we pray and ask that God would give us what we need in this week ahead to come out of or to forsake or to not fall into backsliding, 
There may be one or many here who need to understand that their problem is not backsliding, but that their problem is that they've never actually received the Lord and giver of life. It's not that they're a Christian and that they've turned away and that they've allowed sin to pile up in their hearts where the fear of the Lord is no longer really there. It's sort of a smoldering kind of spark at the bottom of a fireplace. No, for some, your heart is still a heart of stone. You are living in your sin. You were born like all of us in sin. You have been born an enemy of God. And you, out of that sinful nature, sin every single day. And this sin is sin which deserves God's righteous judgment. What you need, friend, is to understand that Christ came to save sinners. He lived a perfect life in the stead of sinners. He died on the cross, and when he died, God poured out the wrath for sin onto Christ. And Christ bore it. This Christ took that sin to the grave and died a death that we deserve and was raised on the third day. And this self-same Christ says to any who have spiritual ears to hear, come to me and I will save you. Come to me and I will give you life. Do not come to me with any excuse for there is nothing that I cannot save you from. Do not think that your sins or your former ways keep you outside of my saving grace. You need to come for the first time to Christ. Tonight the word for you is not, am I a backslider in heart? Have I turned my back for a season on the God who has saved me forever? You need to hear the word. My heart has never been given to Christ. And I need Him to save me from sin. But if you are here and Christ is your Lord, consider the beauty of His words to Peter You remember his words to Peter. Peter, filled with spiritual zeal that was often lacking in knowledge. I will die for you. Will you die for me, Peter? Peter falls into this great sin. And there he stays for several days. In fact, he tells the other disciples, Before the resurrection of Christ is known, I'm going back to fishing. And Christ meets him on the beach. Do you love me, Peter? Do you love me? Do you love me? You know, I don't know if you would consider the sin of Peter a sin of backsliding. But whether you would call it that or not, consider how Christ, who died for Peter approached Peter after Peter fell greatly. Maybe tonight the warning against backsliding is exactly what the Spirit of God is placing in your heart so that you will look up from your sin and your coldness of heart and see that Christ in His Word is pursuing you on the beach, coming after you, wooing you again by His mercy and grace, offering His arms of love to you again and again and again. In fact, Every time that you in your life have been in a period of backsliding and have come out of it, it has not been because you in your strength went back to God, but that Christ by his spirit drew you to himself again and again and again. So as you consider the warning of backsliding, 
Consider the arms of Christ. Let's pray. Almighty God, help us as we consider this single verse of Scripture. That we may not cast aside the warnings provided here. That we may not forget to consider the worth of living a faithful life before you. But Lord, forgive us in our backslidings and invigorate us again, renew us again, revive us again, we pray. Help us wherever this passage of Scripture meets us this evening. And perhaps by the Spirit's grace, it meets people in a variety of places. Help us all, living God, to see the glories of the arms of Christ offered to even backslidden sinners. Speak, we pray, O Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.